0: Oh boy, here we go. You got the sick stretch up on the stretch show today. But rain or shine, I will deliver. I'm like the mailman, but better. That's what I am. Stretch always delivers. And I am going to be here today to give you the show. And hopefully all this week. What will happen is at some point if I completely lose my voice, I will not do a show because I can't stand to listen to myself, let alone sound like crap on top of it. So if I get too far gone. I, I will run some best ofs this week. But as of now, we're going to do the show. We're going to try to bang it out. We got Danger Boy Deegan on deck. Not something I've never done. Here's what's crazy. It is Monday. It is the day after Daytona. We got Eli Tomac breaking the all-time record for Daytona being the most winning rider ever and moving up to... Almost number two on the overall Supercross wins list behind Bubba Stewart. One win away from Ty and Bubba, and then after two more wins, he's now in second place, which will never be caught on Jeremy McGrath. But uh, history-making, and here I am with a guy that finished third place in the 250s, and I'm bringing him on the show, and why is that? I'll tell you why. I like this kid, man. I like Danger Boy Deegan. I like him. We've seen him grow up on Instagram and our YouTube and all that stuff with the DeGans, their little family reality show that's all about moto and been nothing but good for the sport, and we see his dad, Brian Deegan, grooming him right and raising this kid right, and he's come out, and he's proven to be a solid ass rider. Gets on the podium in his fourth professional race. That's very impressive. He's a very impressive young man. No one's saying bad stuff about this kid, so I'm like, you know what? This is a bigger deal then Eli once again winning Daytona because Eli always wins Daytona. So let's go ahead and start the week with Danger Boy Deacon, and that's what we'll do here in a couple minutes. Second time he's been on the 49. I tell you, I like this kid. I like this kid. He is just pretty awesome, and he's he's got a good head on his shoulders. He doesn't seem to be conceited, and he gives the right answers. You'll hear it in the interview. He's just a nice, polite young man, so... We'll go with that. After that, I got a story that's going to make every dude out there cringe coming out of Italy. You're going to crap yourselves. Then I got uh, organized crime, it seems like, when we're going to talk about Girl Scout cookies. And I'm not saying the Girl Scouts are the criminals here. No, no, no. They are being pinched, if you will. There is a supply-demand issue with one flavor of Girl Scout cookies, and I'll get you the update on that because I'm a fat guy. Um, I got another story about uh, the 5-0 just running from a city in America because it became so woke and it cut their budget and now they have a serious problem on their hands because they do not have enough police officers for a major city and they are retiring at an epic rate and they're saying hundreds more to retire by summer so uh, being woke and defunding the police was never a good idea but these fools did it uh, I got a fake cocaine story. Yeah, wouldn't be the stretch show if I didn't give you a cocaine story. Let's be honest. It's kind of what we do here. I talk about that on the daily. Yeah, I've got another fun one for you. Uh, by the way, my cocaine story coming out of Australia's. I got Australia's and cocaine. International drug smuggling operation. Then I have a story in Tacoma, Washington, speaking of woke and stupid and police, and it's going to piss you off, because it pissed me off when I read it. It pissed me off when I read it. I'm like, really? They're not letting these dudes do their freaking job, man. And then we'll go down to Brazil, uh, and we'll talk about a murderer, even though he didn't get apprehended in Brazil. No, no, no. He got apprehended at an airport in Portugal. And he is, well, a fine young cannibal. His family's defending him, saying he would never do that. I'm going to go out and say, yeah, he probably looks like he did. We'll find out, though. So, get ready. We got everything that you know and love on a stretch show, plus a hell of a lot of moto. Mr. Deegan, we got the moto minutes coming up, plus the entertainment Report. All of that and more. So strap it in. It's a Monday. Let's get through this week. I got to get myself back to healthy and we'll power through. It's the big four nine. The man urged. Entertainment report. And finally, one year after the big old Oscar slap, Chris Rock finally went in on Will Smith and his bald wife, Jada. He did it on a Netflix special that was shown live. The first time they've ever done that happened over the weekend. He went in on them. He definitely did. He also called out Will for staying with a lady that cheated on him, called him a bitch. All in all, I would say that the woke bitches in the Smith family probably didn't like it, but everybody else thought it was pretty damn funny. Andrew Tate announced that he's grown a full head of hair in jail and then photos of him from inside prison were leaked and a full head of hair may be an understatement. Trust me, 99% of dudes that have shiny bald heads that are shaved, it's because they're massively balding. So he doesn't really have a full head of hair. He's got a full head of what hair a bald dude would have, I guess. His lawyers are coming out from all the social media backlash going, that's not a full head of hair. And they're saying you really need to worry about justice and not Andrew's hairline. And finally, Ja Morant, the star player of the NBA's Memphis Grizzlies, has been temporarily sidelined by the team after posing on an Instagram video of him in a nightclub, it looks like, walking around with no shirt on and a handgun in his hand. Morant also was accused by a teenager of brandishing a handgun at him last year when they had a beef on a basketball court at Morant's house. No charges were ever filed in that case, but it does look like that teen may have been telling the truth. The man man With stretch. Big 49, it is stretch, and right now we are sitting down with not your winner of the 250 class. It is definitely the guy that all of the attention is on because he is 17 years old. His name is Danger Boy Deegan, aka Hayden Deegan. And uh here it is, your fourth professional race. You're already up on the podium. Big big win. A lot of people never get there in their entire career. You've got it in four races. So how stoked are you to, you know, be going on this trajectory so far for your racing career?
1: Uh, Yeah, it's definitely super exciting. It was one of my goals, so we ticked off another one. And, uh, yeah, I got a taste of it, and I definitely want more.
0: (laughs) Nice. Now, uh, we saw you at A2 when you were racing in the Futures. You hadn't turned pro yet. And then uh, it, it was a pretty good run. You finished sixth overall. A lot of eyes on you. And then afterwards, bam. We were surprised to see that you were gonna to get to race. How did that decision come about so quickly between the Futures and Anaheim, and then a week later, here you are uh, racing at Houston, it was.
1: Yeah, definitely happening fast after Futures. I wasn't even yeah. sure if I was gonna race. So okay. uh, we pulled it, and we are like, yeah, we w- my, might as well go race, so go get yeah. the experience. And uh, so far, it's been going great. And, uh, yeah, just keep on learning. Yeah,
0: going great. Now, uh, Hayden, let, let's talk about this. Your dad, obviously, is Brian Deegan, a former motocross racer himself, a freestyler, a, a legend in the game. He really is. And a lot of people look at you and they're like, well, his dad made him do it. Like, how much of your racing career and what you're doing right now is all you and not, you know, being pushed in by your father like a lot of people from outside that don't know the situation what would think is going on here.
1: Uh, yeah, my mom didn't want me to race dirt bikes after all my dad went through, so <laughs> yeah. uh, we started, and my dad got me on a dirt bike. It was kind of, it was going to happen eventually, and yeah. uh, from there, I just fell in love with it. Would always watch yeah. the guys outside do freestyle and stuff, so fell in love with dirt bikes, and uh, from there, just been grinding to get start, get up to this spot, pretty much, and race yeah. Supercross. I've been wanting it for uh, <laughs> my, uh, I couldn't say whole life because I'm <laughs> 17, but uh, yeah. that little span, so and uh, now we're here, so we're just gonna yeah, keep
0: getting better, hopefully. So you're saying it's definitely you, and not a, a family pressure to carry on the family business?
1: Yeah, it's it's an all me thing. You know, I want to. A lot of people. I mean, there's people like that obviously want me to do it. My dad wants me to do it, of course. That's just <laughs> yeah. we're a racing family, so we want to keep that in the genes. And uh, but yeah, I want it bad.
0: All right. Now, did you ever think after just four races you'd be getting on the podium? I mean, we've all seen you ride since you were a little kid with the uh with the youtube channel that your family has and it's been fun watching you grow up and and just seeing you become the rider that you are but still four races in and you're on the podium for the first time does that blow you away at all uh yeah it's definitely crazy
1: uh Uh, this early. I didn't think it honestly I didn't think I'd be getting on the podium this early but uh, it's racing and uh, we continue to progress so uh, we ended up getting on the podium so now we're here and uh, yeah it's super exciting.
0: And and let's talk about getting on the podium. You got on the podium at Daytona dude that is no joke Daytona is a gnarly track and it is something that that you've really got to be. They say it lends itself to more veteran riders especially when it comes to the 250s than here you are in your fourth race getting on uh, the podium. So, h- how do you feel about getting on the podium, not only here in your fourth race, but here at Daytona as a cherry on top of that?
1: Uh, yeah, this track is uh, not an easy one. You got to be yeah. a man to ride this track. So, I didn't yeah. get the greatest start, but uh, I was able to make my way up to third. And uh, it's a tough track. You know, I was riding with good intensity. I felt great, yeah. and I was able able to push through. And at the end, the crowd's amazing. It's yeah. it's crazy. The crowd's going wild the whole time. So. Yeah. Uh, When I finished that race, uh, adrenaline was going. I was super happy. All
0: right, and let's talk about you're racing, you know, the greatest 250 racers in the world, but in particular, you're racing the dudes on your own team. You got a lot of really fast guys out there, a lot of fast Yamahas. We know that the uh, YZ250 has dominated this class for the last decade, for the most part, and you had uh, Jmart out there, you had everyone on your team out there. You're racing some fast guys within your own tent, man. Uh, how awesome is it to come out on top and, and get up on the box today ahead of all those guys, even?
1: Um, yeah, definitely. It's kind of hard, too, because some of my teammates will come from my neck, too, which you kind of <laughs> got to realize it's racing. So yeah. uh, Martin in that last one, they, he did run into me a little bit, but yeah. I held my ground. I like kind of leaned into the turn, so it wasn't a big deal. It's racing. But, uh, yeah, overall, it's just uh, the team, my teammates are good. You know, they're fast riders. Yeah. They just, I think they got to learn to put it together a little more, which, I mean, as I, I see that and that's stuff I got to learn from. So, uh, yeah. yeah, but we got some fast guys on the team, and I think they can put it together. They're, they're up there.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, but that's the thing. You were able to show a massive amount of maturity for a very young rider in the sense of just kind of sitting back, not making mistakes and capitalizing when anybody ahead of you did. So, Great riding from you so far. Let's talk about this, though. Let's go back to the family. Uh, you're already halfway to your dad's podium total. So uh, what has your dad got on you left in pro motocross after today?
1: Oh, shoot. Yeah, my dad's definitely uh, <laughs> He's got that over me. He's got the win and the ghost rides. That's so. right. Uh, these guys yeah. are some, some fast dudes in front of me, and uh, I'm not the other pace yet. So we got to yeah. keep working, and uh, hopefully I, my, my dad's still beating me with that goal. So... <laughs> uh, we're just going to you know, keep pinning work, and maybe we'll get up to their speed. Who knows? But they're going nice. fast right now. So if I can do that, though, I'll be super excited.
0: All right. Yeah, I, I say this season you're breaking dad's uh, complete total on the podium by the time it is all done, seeing what I'm seeing out of you after just four rounds, man. Great watching you. Congratulations, uh, Hayden Deegan, to your entire family and to the entire Star Racing Yamaha crew. Hopefully we'll see you back up on the box again next week. I am Stretch. This is the Big 49, your home of Moto Rock Extreme. Big, 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 the big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. Daytona man strikes again. Eli Tomac picked up his seventh overall win in Daytona over the weekend. He's the winningest rider on that track in the history of the sport, and they are comparing him to Richard Petty, who had seven wins there as a NASCAR driver. That's the kind of company that you're in for Eli Tomac. He is just killing it out there. Now, next week, we are heading into Indianapolis, and it looks like it's gonna be a regular Supercross-type set. We don't have that crazy indoor-outdoor track of Daytona. We're not doing a Triple Crown. We're getting back to indoor Supercross racing. We'll see if Eli can extend his points league when we get there. I am Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 49. It's a Stretch show on a Monday. I'm ailing. Bear with me as I struggle through the week. I'm trying to get you a decent show. Shout out to everybody listening on the podcast right now. That is up and running everywhere podcasters serve. Just go Stretch show Big 49. Bam. You'll find it. We are there. Everywhere. Everywhere podcasters serve. All right. Right now, I got to tell you, I'm playing the nookie because this guy will never do it for the nookie again as long as he lives. 30-year-old urologist in Italy is under investigation by the top health officials because, well, he accidentally amputated a man's penis in a surgery. amputated a man's penis after incorrectly diagnosing the man with a tumor yeah he chopped off the guy's schlong the 30 year old urologist performed the operation to remove the tumor a month after diagnosing that man believed to be in his 60s with cancer he's like you got cancer on your penis i gotta chop it off to save your life your schlong or your life and the guy chose life and they chopped off his schlong only there was a problem Reports suggest that the penis removal operation went down without a hitch. Until later, analysis revealed there was no reason for it whatsoever. The guy didn't have cancer or a tumor on his schlong. <clears throat> Devastated patient. They now call him Dickless Joe. Uh, he's now seeking compensation over the mutilation of his member, which took place on San Donato Hospital in Arezzo Tuscany, Italy case has a preliminary court hearing coming up here this week here's what's crazy a similar case was reported in France in December after a series of errors resulted in the total removal of a man's penis that man also uh, God, the guy in this situation the doctors in his 30s but the man is in his 60s this case they chopped off a 30 year old man's penis they left him with just his testicles and no feeling where his member once was. That guy was interviewed and he said, I have hatred towards the doctor that did this to me. They call him Kindle now for, for fun and games. Kindle with balls, that's what he is. Yeah, he says, I'm really devastated. This is very shameful. The patient said after the surgery, he said, Inside, I knew it. It was either death or that. And indeed, he had to removed everything. Just left with his testicles there. A little nub at the base. Says you can't replace the feeling of a penis with several sensors. No, you cannot. The French guy. He's going to get like a million dollars. A million euros. They say is what he sued for. But he ended up with only $55,000 in damages. They took your schlong. You got 55 grand. That is not a fair trade. I'm not giving that trade. No, 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 no. So no word on how much this guy in Italy's gonna get. But if your doctor ever tells you you got cancer, ever tells you anything, like we gotta remove your penis or your balls, get a second opinion or a third or a fifth opinion. A Little lesson from your Uncle Stretch Dog. Yeah, don't believe doctors. Sometimes they feel like just chopping off your junk. They're like, I'm gonna show this guy. I'm gonna tame this stallion. I'm gonna chop his schlong off. Usually when you got a wild stallion, they chop their balls off, then it's called a gelding that horse. You're not a gelding when they chop off your penis. You're a eunuch. You got a set of nuts with nothing to blast. Oh man, got to sit down to pee like a girl. This is horrible. All right, coming up next, I got to get out of here. I can't stand to hear my voice this long because it's awful. Up next, we're going to talk about Girl Scout cookie scandal. It's coming. It's out there. I'm going to tell you the insanity of paying up to $30 for a box of cookies. It's the big 49. Big 49, finally, Southern California has a real rock station. Big 49, this is Stretch Show. Every day I'm hustling. Talk about it here on the 49 all the time. I got nine things going on. So does everybody else here at the 49 as we get everything just steamrolling. As we get this locomotive on track, we're just all shoveling coal into the furnace to get this thing just rolling. We're rolling coal, bitches. That's what we do every day. And it's a grind and it's hustling. It's all right, it's paying off slowly but surely. Big 4 coming for that ass. Shout out to Pinky and the Brain or whoever the hell those new podcasts are. Welcome to my world, bitches. I'm gonna come into your world and I'm gonna stomp on you. And I'm gonna kick you in your tiny testicles. This is what I do. I'm, bu- I'm a bully. I'm a broadcast bully. I'm gonna come on the radio and I'm gonna squash all things smaller than me. And that would be everything. Everything is smaller than the big 49 in my eyes. So here we go. But well, let's talk about some people that are hustling right now, trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents. You know how it goes. They're like Rick Ross. Well, the Girl Scouts came out with a new flavor of cookie, and what's weird is they debuted it in the summer. We all know it's Girl Scout cookie time right now. You go to the market, they're everywhere, they're peddling their goods. Even though, I'm not gonna lie, incredibly disappointing at the shrinkflation of Girl Scout cookies. 5 to $6 a box, and the cookies are now smaller with fewer cookies in them, if you noticed. But I digress. They came out with a new flavor. They debuted it over the summer, and it basically looks just like the Thin Mint, but it's got a raspberry cookie inside. It's called the Raspberry Rally Girl Scout Cookie, and it is a raspberry-flavored version of the beloved Thin Mint, which is an amazing cookie. The Thin Mint is next level. So... You're like, wait a minute. What are you talking $30 a box? Well, here's what happened. The Girl Scouts put these cookies out there. They were a very limited time, uh, limited edition. And a bunch of people went out there and just snatched them up because they became a massive overnight phenomenon. In fact, the people that make Girl Scout cookies grossly underestimated the demand for this cookie. So what happens? Just like a toy or anything else when it goes bananas, people stockpiled it. And then as soon as they were out, they're now being sold on eBay for $30 a box. And it's like crack, bitch. That's how we're going to sling cocaine here on the 49. Oh, yeah. Oh, you want the Raspberry, the raspberry rallies? And he said $35. What do you mean? That's a $5 box of cookies. Take it or leave it. $30. I'm walking. I got people that will buy the every bit I got right now. I'm on my way to an office building. They want all 400 boxes I have. So you buying one or no? You know what? $40 for you. That's how I deal. Yeah, the cookies, they say, Girl Scouts now are coming out and they're saying never buy Girl Scout cookies to a third-party seller because the Girl Scout troops are deprived of the proceeds. To which I say, bull effing crap. No, they're not. The cookie was sold. These people didn't steal the cookies. They bought them at market value. And now that the market dried up because you guys didn't plan right, they're selling them for a massive... It's like ticket scalping, but for Girl Scout cookies. That's what's happening. If you sold the concert out and you sold them for 25 bucks. that's on you. Scalpers bought them and sold them for 300 Is it illegal? In a way. Is it shady? In a way. But I think it's disingenuous for the Girl Scouts to come out and say, don't buy these cookies because it doesn't help the Girl Scouts. Because it does. They've already got their kickback. The Girl Scouts already made their money on these cookies. You can't double dip. So what the hell? Some BS right here. Girl Scouts are crying wolf is what I think. I say, if you want the raspberry cookies, you better get online and get them before they go to $50 a box because they're headed that way. It's inflation. Joe Biden's in office, man. These things will be $75 here in another month or so. (laughs) Oh, man. All right, I'm going to get up on to my next story, and that will be this. Uh, We're going to talk about a city where the police are evaporating because they're all quitting and retiring and leaving, and I'll tell you where that is next. It's the Big Four Nine. Big big, big big the big 49 moto minute brought to you by lbz over the weekend down in australia They were set to kick off the pro motocross championship season at Wan and Disaster struck when a 21 year old rider named Braden Erbacher was killed on the track He fell off the bike was hit by four or five other riders at the time Medical crews rushed to his aid, and they were unable to resuscitate him, and the 21-year-old was pronounced dead at the scene. Very, very tragic day. They postponed the race after that, and our condolences go out to his family. I am Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 4-9. It's a Stretch show here on a Monday. Stretch sounds like crap because he's, well, he feels like crap. Sick as hell. I'm living on the Tussin. I'm just chugging a bottle of Tussin. Got it right here i just take a hit off it every now and then man nothing you could do i got no covet or anything i tested for that i got covet tests in my house i just got a cold that's kicking me in the nuts man not like an italian doctor it hasn't quite chopped them off but i am not feeling great but let's power through let's talk about austin texas i love texas texas is a great place but i can tell you this austin texas is the anus of Texas why because it is the woke leftist capital of Texas it is where all the nutjobs from California and Washington and Oregon all those fruitcakes moved to Texas they all went to Austin they're like let's create a great city of like-minded people we don't want to be here with all these conservatives sure we want the state that the conservatives built we want the tax breaks that the conservatives built in And then let's start destroying Texas like we did California, Oregon, and Washington is exactly what's happening. In fact, the woke capital of Texas, Austin, has got a massive problem. They've got a vacancy of over 300 police officers needed immediately. And that's because the cops are quitting left and right after being disrespected by the Austin, Texas government. One officer they interviewed for this story says, "Yeah, we're right there with Portland, Seattle, and San Francisco as being one of those places where you're, if you're at all conservative or in law enforcement, it's become very hostile towards you." And this guy just retired last month. He was a lieutenant, served the city for 23 years, and that's the thanks they get. Yeah, this is a load of crap. This is a load of crap. And and by the way, I love Texas. And Texas tried to do the right thing after this started happening. They say right now it's so bad in Austin, Texas, if there's a 911 call, they're being redirected to 311 for non-emergencies. So if you come home and your house got robbed, there's no cop coming. Now, if you come home and there's a robber in your house with a weapon, they're coming. Yeah, they've had to pull all their detectives off from solving cases to act as patrol officers because they don't have enough patrol officers to cover the city of Austin. And it's talking about, I'm talking insane. We're not talking about a city with no crime. Say in 2021, the city had 88 homicides. Although that number decreased in 2022, the first six months of the year saw dramatic increases in the numbers of rapes at 179 and over 2,000 aggravated assaults. Only problem is they don't have the detectives now or the cops to deal with it. They say the city's attitude towards its police department started to shift as all the nutjob liberals moved in from all the nutjob liberal states. They say they don't even feel the city was really appreciating the police anymore, so they're all like, let's get out of here. This is BS. Austin, they say, has always been a very liberal-leading city as far as Texas goes, but it used to be pro-law enforcement at the same time. They say they expected us to do things uh, right away. Obviously, they weren't hypercritical like they became. And in 2020, the city council voted to, you guess it, in 2020, right after George Floyd, what did they do in Austin? Yeah, let's defund our police by $150 million. That's a blow to the police department. You know what's weird? I'm pretty certain no Austin, Texas police officer knelt on George Floyd's neck. But hey, what do I know? I'm an idiot pro-law enforcement kind of guy. Yeah, elected officials also nixed three classes of cadet officers that were coming in and they cut 150 police officers from the budget. Last year, the local district attorney announced the indictment of 19 police officers accused of using excessive force. Now the police officers say the district attorney to appease the people has the thing of just going after police officers, not after criminals. In 2021, when they chose to uh, refund the police because crime suddenly spiraled out of control, they're like, yeah, go F yourselves. After it was told, uh, Austin chose to refund the cops after it was told, then this is where Texas is great. Texas, the state of Texas, had put stuff down that if you defunded your police, basically you would lose tax money. A new state law that was enacted to deter cities from, well, defunding the police because they saw the writing on the walls and the little lab experiment was Austin. They say at times entire areas of the city are left unpatrolled while the few officers there respond to a large incident. They say if a homicide comes out or a shooting comes out, you can promise there's no cop anywhere in Austin but at that crime scene. Another night, they say there was uh, the street racers did the takeover of an intersection. When a cop rolled up, Uh, they got attacked and the cop radioed for backup and no backup came. It was 22 minutes until backup came. By that point, they had already vandalized the police car, broken the windows out of it and injured the police officer. The officers now say they're pretty much going to tell you there's certain calls they will not go to anymore. Because it's not safe for them because they don't have the manpower to execute the call like that street race takeover. They're just saying they hope that at some point it gets so bad, everyone's going to realize something's got to be done and they'll fix their woke ass, dumb ass, nonsensical babble like all these other dumb woke ass cities. You know we need? We need the police. Every city needs the police. In a really bad way, you need the police. When things go bad, you need to call somebody that comes with a gun and a lot of dudes that will come and save your ass, and that's the police. So F you Austin, Texas, you deserve this. I'm Stretch, it's the big 49. Two stroke, four stroke, 49. <laughs> It's a stretch show here on a Monday. Time to talk about cocaine. Slinging cocaine. Boy, I gotta tell you, somebody's gonna be in trouble. This happened down in Australia's international drug smuggling cocaine ring by the Mexican drug cartel. Listen to this. Mexican drug cartel made an attempt to deliver 2.4 tons of cocaine. 2.4 tons, say a estimated street value of $1 billion. And it all got pinched by the popo, cocaine. This is a massive amount of cocaine. They say, here's what's crazy though, in the story, they say this one drug bust represents half of what they think is in Australia on the annual. So they do $2 billion worth of blow a year in Australia's? Even though I have to look at uh, my business model here, the authorities either are bad at math in Australia's or something because they say we're looking at 250 to $400 a kilo for cocaine. That's not very good. That's what uh, 8-ball used to cost back in the day. Back when Rick Ross was slinging cocaine, doing the yayo. They were getting $250 for an eight ball, let alone a kilo. But then again, when you're bringing in 2.4 tons, maybe that's the wholesale price of cocaine, I don't know. So here's what happened though. This story goes way back. It just happened there in Western Australia. Police confirmed that they, under cover of darkness, took down a sophisticated sting on a Mexican drug cartel, eyeing Australian market. And they had gone out to an area, a remote area, and they basically just dumped kilos and kilos and kilos of cocaine, enough to two two 2.4 tons of coke. They dumped it in the ocean. But what they don't know, the guys that were dropping it off, I think maybe they're gonna be free because, well, it wasn't cocaine, no. The cartels, they, they got caught way back in November. The Popos were on to them. So the Popo took the, all the cocaine, the 2.4 tons of cocaine, and rather than bust these guys, they switched out their cocaine with plaster of Paris. And then they packaged it up just like the cocaine was packaged up. And then they allowed these guys to continue their operation thinking they were dumping cocaine into the ocean right there off the coast of Australia. There's 2.4 tons of it. And they set back to see who was coming to get it so they could get more guys. Yeah, sounds fun, right? They say the coastline where they dumped all this off was very desirable because it's a very out-of-the-way location. And they didn't think the Popo would be way up there waiting for them. Well, that's not what happened. Western Australian waters... One of the boats came in and beached itself, 70 miles outside of Perth. Uh, the people who bought the um, brought the drugs into, they believe there was another 1.2 tons sitting in a warehouse. So they just waited and watched, and waited and watched, and sure enough, when somebody came to pull up the cocaine, which was really plaster of Paris, they got a few more suspects, and now they're all in trouble. And they're all going to jail. Cocaine. Yep. Remember Beretta said? Don't do the crime if you can't do the time. And if you're going to be slinging 2.4 tons of cocaine, you're going to be going to jail. I got to imagine they got some Aussies. They got some Mexican nationals. They got a whole bunch of people in this, considering it was the operation of a Mexican drug cartel. I also got to imagine when you lost a billion dollars, a billion dollars worth of cocaine, somebody's going to get killed for this. Yeah, drug cartel's not going to play. Somebody's going down. Go, King. There you go. All right, up next, I got to tell you about a story out of Washington, woke-ass Washington. I already told you about the woke-ass Austin, Texas story. It's shameful that Austin is in Texas because Texas is awesome. And Austin used to be an awesome town. With music festivals, awesome food, awesome people. And now it's just becoming where... Idiots moved from California and Washington and Oregon and have destroyed it. And has now become too woke for its own good. So woke that their police are like, F you, we're out of here. And I'm gonna roll with the popos on that one. It really sucks. And this story is gonna piss you off too. This is gonna show you how woke ass woke they are in Washington. Got a story about some thieves caught red-handed stealing an ATM machine from downtown Tacoma. And uh, I'm gonna give you one line in this story that should piss you off. I'm Stretch. I live pissed off. It's the big 49. Big, 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 big. The big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. Saturday night in Daytona, RJ Hampshire of that Rockstar Energy Husqvarna team made his 450 debut. And it went pretty damn well. The guy finished eighth overall on the night, which is a solid debut in that 450 class, which is stacked with champions. And this is what RJ had to say later. He said, my entire career, I've wanted an opportunity to go racing on a 450. I finally got one and took advantage of it. Couldn't have asked for a better debut. And then he thanks everyone on his team for believing in the 250 guy. Shout out to everybody at uh, Rockstar Energy Husqvarna and to RJ Hampshire for a great ride on his debut. I am straight. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 4-9. It's a stretch show. All right, now we're going to get down. I say this saying all the time. Don't do the crime if you can't do the time. And don't go to bed with a price on your head like Sammy Davis Jr. is trying to tell you right now. No, no, don't do it. Unless, of course, you're in Washington. Don't do it. All right, let's go to Tacoma, Washington. There is a ATM at the Twin Star Credit Union down in South Tacoma Way. Tacoma, Washington. About 5.15 in the morning. Some knuckleheads in a red Ford F-250. Rolled up. Strapped some straps to it. Ripped it out of the wall. Drug it into the back of their truck and hauled ass. Employees watching surveillance video from the credit union's. Saw the truck hit the front of the building, smash it. Saw the crime take place. They strapped a chain to it, they drug it out of the wall, they pulled it into the truck, and they sped off. Last scene heading eastbound on 96th. Right about that time, the Popo were on, and I got a feeling you're ripping out sensors and all kinds of things are happening. So the 5-0 is in route. Officers roll up on the scene and they hear a loud sound. You know what that loud sound is? For some reason, the idiots had come back. <coughs> I can't make this crap up. Don't worry, the story gets worse. So the truck, the red Ford F-250 with the ATM machine in the back, cops are on the scene where there's a big hole in the wall where these guys ram the truck into the building and then rip the ATM out and took off. And all of a sudden, the guys come back. The guys see the popo, they make a hard U-turn and the ATM machine goes flying out onto the street. Bam! And hits the ground. 5-0 there. What do you think the 5-0 are going to do? They're going to jump in the car, slam on the gas. Yeah, that's what they're going to do. Vanilla Ice style. They're going to roll out in their 5.0s with a ragtop down so their hair can blow. That's what they're going to do. And they're going to go get these sucker fools. Guys just try to steal an ATM machine. You can't do that. Can't do that in my town. I'm a popo. So the police. This is where this story gets really busy to me. Uh, They say one of our officers saw the vehicle speeding down South Tacoma Way and knowing that this is just a property crime and by the new state statutes, we are not allowed to pursue this vehicle. So we made every attempt to get close enough just to get the license plate number and then we let them go. The vehicle kept going peacefully down the road. So in Washington, if it is not like a kidnapping or a murder or something really bad, the police are no longer allowed to pursue suspects. So if you go to Washington and you steal, most likely they're going to let you steal anyways because it's like California where they got no F's to give. You want to steal? Steal. Who cares? Not the DA's in California, that's for sure, or the DA's in Washington. Well, now you can steal ATMs too, and the police can't chase you because it's just a property crime. Unless you hold somebody up with a gun or brandish a weapon, the police aren't allowed to chase you. So the cops are going to chase close and see if they can get a license plate number. Yeah, that's telling me as a criminal, I got the green light to do a whole bunch of bad crap. Mitch, imagine the old days when you had movies where you had to have a master plan to do anything illegal and they'd work on it and they'd get creative and then they'd end up, it'd go south and they'd have a shootout and a high speed chase with the cops. Yeah, not anymore. Now that we don't want the police, we defund the police. Then we tell the police you can't do your job when you are there and you do have your job and we haven't defunded you yet. You're lucky to have a job. But don't chase bad guys or you'll lose your job. Don't beat up bad guys or you'll lose your job. Don't shoot bad guys even though they're a danger to society and to you as a human being. Don't shoot them. Don't do anything. And when you catch them, be very polite to them and don't say anything hurtful to them. That's where we are. That's the point we've gotten to in this day and age. And it's disgusting. It is fully disgusting. Fully disgusting. I am over it. I don't know about you, but I wish all those woke-ass a-holes would go back to Washington. I wish all those woke-ass a-holes would leave Austin, Texas and go back to California. Even though I don't really want them here, I'm kind of glad they're gone. Problem is, though, uh, everyone I know that's left to Texas are like conservative people who are like, I can't live in woke-ass California anymore. And they fled. The bad thing is they shouldn't let the woke-ass people flee. you would be like, no, 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 no. You did this. You stay. It's your fault. You got to live in it now. It's your problem. Crime's through the roof. Then they go to Austin and screw up a great city. Washington's a lost cause. So is California and Oregon. Just delete the West Coast of the United States because it is bad. Wow. Insane. Yeah, we can't chase it because it was a property crime. So we ran after it as fast as we could and tried to get a license plate number. Police are now security guards. That's what they are. Observe and report. Wow. All right, up next, I got a real-life criminal that's so real-life criminal, I would imagine the police would be allowed to chase this guy, even in Washington. Going to talk about him next. I'm Stretch. It's the big 49. Big, 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 big. The big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. If you watched Daytona over the weekend and you wondered where Colt Nichols was from that HRC Honda team, Colt took a spill in qualifying one had this to say on instagram later he said a tough day at work in daytona had a crash during qualifying one landed on my noggin pretty good the team and myself decided it would be best to sit it out and get myself right thanks to my team and the people in my corner it's been a rough few weeks but i'll be back so look for colt nichols to come back unless he's on concussion protocol then it might be a couple of weeks till we see him but hopefully he is not that seriously injured i am stretch another moto minute brought to you by lbz is coming up one hour from now Oh, big four I'm powering through, man. I'm trying my best today. I sound like crap. I know it sucks when there's somebody on the radio, you're like, why do they sound so weird? Because I'm sick. I hate being sick. But I got to do what I got to do. So I'm going to get to the show and I'm going to go to work. I'm not going to miss a day. That is my promise at this point. I could take a rapid downhill spiral and be full of crap. wouldn't be the third time in my life. Right now, we're going to tell you a story about a fine young cannibal. This guy is a Brazilian. His name is Megolia Mendez Fernandez. He's 26 years old. He was taken into custody at an airport in Portugal. So here's the deal. The guy's a Brazilian taken into custody in Portugal for a crime. He committed in Amsterdam. They say in Amsterdam, they think he killed a 21-year-old man by the name of Alan Lopes the day before they arrested him in Portugal. And by the way, when they arrested this guy in Portugal, he's in the airport. He had fake documents. They weren't his. And he's now being held by the Portuguese Borders and Immigration Services. They initially detained him on suspicion of carrying forged documents, including an Italian identity card. And other paperwork bearing a name different than his own. And then he came from the Netherlands. So they called the Netherlands. And this is where the guy lives. So we've got. Boy this gets complicated. A Brazilian guy. Arrested in Portugal. For a crime he committed in the Netherlands. While carrying fake Italian passports. You get it? (laughs) But here's the best part. When they stopped him for the fake documents, they searched him. You know, all right, now we think you're a criminal. We gotta see what you're carrying. And in his luggage, they found chunks and chunks of meat with bloody clothing inside. They believe that meat to be that of 21-year-old Alan Lopes. Yeah, they believe this dude's a cannibal. When this guy killed and ate this dude who was friends with him. They say the guy was homeless in the Netherlands and uh, Lopes would let him stay with him every now and then when he needed a place to stay. And they found Lopes uh, dismembered in partially eaten body day before this guy bounced out of the Netherlands and headed to Portugal with fake documents. And now they're testing the meat in his uh, suitcase to see if it does indeed belong to a human being. Yeah, they say uh, they believe Fernandez has engaged in cannibal practices. The 26-year-old they went to his Facebook page described himself as 2% genius, 98% crazy. He's already made his initial court uh, appearance there in Lisbon, Portugal, where he will remain in custody until he is extradited to the Netherlands to face murder charges. Lopes, on the other hand, they found him dead Sunday night in a house in Amsterdam that he shared with his mother and sister. The victim's sister says Fernandez was the homeless guy that uh, her brother would let stay there sometimes. Now, they found the cannibal's mom, and she's like, oh, no, no, this was self-defense. She says, according to her son, who she's talked to apparently, that her son was having dinner with the victim when Lopes offered him human flesh to eat and also showed him videos about cannibalism then she says that uh, Mr. Lopes tried to kill him and it was self-defense and that he only took the human meat with him so that he could show the authorities, uh, yeah this is what he had when I, when I killed him. Problem is uh, you fled the country with fake documents after so I'm going to go ahead and say your mom's got a bad story. You fed your mom a line of crap and it's your mom so she's supposed to believe you. Yeah, sorry mom, your kid's a cannibal. The Brazilian cannibal. Sounds like a fun time right there. All right, I gotta get out of here. Try to get better. Go drink some tea, blow my nose, drink some more Tussin. See what I can do. Coming up here in the final hour, we're gonna have Danger Boy Deacon if you missed it. And then I'm gonna wrap it up. So sit tight, bitches. We'll be back with the Danger Boy in a little while. This is the big four nine. Oh, boy. Big 4-9 stretch is going to get out of here. Not a moment too soon. Hopefully, I'll get some rest. I'm not guaranteeing that because, well, everyone in my house hates me. So, I'm going to try to uh, get off to the overnight shift, get that done, get some rest, and get back on here and do a show for Tuesday. I do know this. I will talk to Eli Tomac for the Tuesday Spectacular. And then we'll have Hayden Deacon in the middle of the show if you miss that. Good talking to Danger Boy Deegan. Like that kid. Congratulations to him, his whole family. I like the way they roll. I'm going to get up out of here. I, I got nothing left to say. I really don't. I'm sick and I'm tired. I'm going to go drink some Tussin and break out. You guys look out for yourselves. Be good to people. If you get a chance to go over and give some money to our friends at St. Jude's. Please do that. We encourage that always. That is a wonderful thing any time of the year. It doesn't have to be the holidays or when the Supercross is doing it. We push it year-round here at the Big 49. It's a very important place. So I'm going to pack up now. I will talk to you again tomorrow. Until then, God bless you all. God bless the United States of America.